This week on Business Brief, we'll look at why animal shelters in the state are facing overcrowding. Then we'll hear from a Kansas City entrepreneur about how people who are formerly incarcerated can start a business. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Braden Wade, and I'm joined by my co-host, Katie Quinn. Katie, how are you doing this week? You know, I'm a little sad. This is our last Business Brief podcast together. It was a fun summer. I know. I know. The laughs, the memories, and the redos. I'm going to miss them all. Cheers to our last episode as hosts together. And also, Business Brief will be taking a short break. The podcast will be back in a few weeks. I think it's time for headlines. Are you ready? Yes, let's get into it. Trucking company Yellow shut down its operations last weekend and is heading towards bankruptcy. The reported closure is putting 30,000 jobs at risk. Yellow was headquartered in the Kansas City area until it moved to Nashville last year. The company recently averted a strike by its union members. Missouri's tax-free weekend is back, and shoppers can expect increased savings this year thanks to a new law that no longer allows cities and counties to opt out of waiving local taxes. The annual holiday waives sales tax on back-to-school items like clothing and electronics. The new law means extra savings of as much as nearly 6% for Missourians shopping this Friday through Sunday. 19 of Missouri's 57 rural hospitals are at risk of closing due to financial concerns, according to a July report. Eight rural hospitals could close in the next two to three years, while the others are at risk of shuttering in the next six to seven years. Many rural hospitals have had to cut some services to stay afloat. Rising prices, a tight labor market, and the end of COVID federal grants has led to more hospital losses. Governor Mike Parson said no to a special legislative session this week called by House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid to investigate radioactive waste exposure in some parts of the state. A law signed by Parson five years ago was designed to address the presence of radioactive material left over from St. Louis's role in creating the nuclear bomb, but it never received funding. A cross-section of Missouri's publicly traded banks showed mixed earning results for the second quarter, but lending and deposit figures showed a resilient banking sector after turmoil earlier this year. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and two other regional banks in March caused worry for a ripple across the bank industry. For the first quarter, bank holding companies Commerce Bank Shares and Southern Missouri Bancorp reported increased earnings. UMB Financial, Great Southern Bancorp, and Enterprise Financial reported earnings declining. Katie, what do you know about pet overcrowding? I can't say I know much about it at all. Well, animal shelters across the state have been strained because of the high number of cats and dogs at their facilities. Many of these shelters are running out of space. So why are all of these animal shelters seeing an uptick in pets? You're about to find out. Missouri Business Alert reporter Anna Sago spoke with Alicia Vianello, executive director at Animal Rescue Gateway Pet Guardians in St. Louis. Here's part of their conversation. Several shelters have shared that they're facing overcrowding right now. Is this something that Gateway Pet Guardians is dealing with? Yeah, um, if you look at the national organizations, every single one is talking about how shelters are full, and we're no different. Um, Our intake isn't necessarily going up because of our capacity, but it's our shelter is constantly full or over capacity, 
We are always on a wait list. Like we pull dogs and cats from St. Clair County Animal Control, and we're often on a three or four month wait list of how long the dogs or cats from our service area are there until we can take them in. We have an owner surrender wait list. So if someone can't keep their pet and they qualify that we could intake, a lot of times we're on like a three month wait list as well. So it's, it's been a huge problem for probably at least a year or two. Is that something that you're seeing as the pandemic is sort of ending? There are more pets in the United States than ever before. So a lot of people did acquire pets during the the height of the pandemic. So um, there's a huge uptick in breeders. Um, so, you know, the, the more demand for breeder pets there is, the more that they breed. Um, there was also just everyone was adopting at the time as well because it's like, well, I'm home all the time, so I might as well get a pet. So I think a lot of the demand for pets was then, and so now not so many people are looking for pets. No spay and neuter at all from, like, you know, March to July probably. So spay and neuter was not considered essential services by, you know, the powers that be. So, and, you know, they're trying to save equipment and and all that. So, you know, having four-plus months of no spay and neuter is really detrimental. Have those pet costs gone up recently? Everything is more expensive now. Um, we've seen our costs really go up. Also, pet food is hard to come by now. Um, so it is more expensive. It's more expensive to manufacture. Therefore, the manufacturers have to pass the cost on to the consumers. It's harder to get. Um, we see price increases with medications all the time. And then just on the back end things for us, like our liability insurance costs went up, not because of us, but because, oh, the cost of if something happens to your building, then that's more expensive um, to replace it. So we did have to recently raise our vaccine prices. So we were charging $15 per vaccine. And in June, we went up to $20 per vaccine. Um, and then we went from like $7 per nail trim to $10 per nail trim. So while we're trying to keep our costs as affordable as possible, we also have to make sure that we can still operate and you know just kind of raise Raise prices where we can to reflect all the costs that we're incurring. Um, so it's definitely a balancing act. And what are some financial factors that people should keep in mind before adopting a pet to make sure that they don't end up having to return it? I wouldn't discourage someone from adopting because they don't have the money set aside. It's still a life with an owner who might have financial constraints is better than life in a shelter. Um, you also can look at, like, with, with our organization, we have a really low barrier to adoption. We also regularly do free adoption promos for adult dogs and cats. And then we also offer um, affordable vetting, affordable retail store, affordable grooming. Um, we have a pet food pantry for those in our service area that's free. So we try to offer a lot of resources that are equitable and affordable for pet owners so that they can keep their pets. Read more about the factors contributing to animal shelter overcrowding on MissouriBusinessAlert.com. Okay, Katie, what's our next story? Well, Brayden, I spoke to Chuck Doyle. He's the co-owner of Luminous Technologies, an electrical and lighting company in the Kansas City area. He's also the founder of investment group the American Mastermind Investment Club. And he's formally incarcerated. That's interesting. What did you two talk about? We discussed how formerly incarcerated people can start their business after leaving prison. We also talked about what people can do right now if they are currently incarcerated and want to learn more about entrepreneurship. 
I'm excited to hear more. Here's part of that conversation. What does entrepreneurship offer people who were formerly incarcerated? It offers us an opportunity to re-enter into society and actually provide a service. You know, a lot of us, a lot of us don't understand that we can't live our life without making money and like working a job. So that's actually providing a service. Sometimes it's hard getting out of prison and coming out with that rap sheet on you. Um, hey, this guy's a felon. You know, do you want him working around your own business? So sometimes it's just as easy just to get out and, and try to go at it alone, you know, and, and start your own business. So, yeah. And, you know, Chuck, what barriers do you think formerly incarcerated people face as entrepreneurs? Well, first of all, you got the, the rap. You got the rap sheet on you. So uh, who wants to give you a chance, basically? You know, someone someone has to uh, want to see you make it. You got financial barriers. Um, and, and my biggest thing with a lot of us is the, the belief barrier. You know, can you do it? You know, are you able to do it? I mean, you fail so many times at your life at this point that you just feel like it'll just be a detrimental fail. So, you know, one of the biggest barriers to starting a business would be to actually know if you really believe that you can actually achieve, you know, being an entrepreneur. And it's like Kyle said earlier, it's it's not it's not an easy thing to to do. I mean, it's easy to to do anything, but to maintain it, you know. So, yeah, you got to have the belief but financial barriers is another one. That's a that's a real big one. You know, where's the money going to come from? Are you going to be able to support the business uh, during your beginning stages or during a, a hiccup during the business? You know, so many other barriers that we can talk about, but the two that really stands out the most would be your financial barrier and the, the barrier of if you believe that you can do it. Are there any programs or readings that people could be doing during their incarceration to better prepare themselves for entrepreneurial opportunities once they're released? You got to get yourself educated. You are in the place right now, if whoever's in jail, they're in a place where they're alone. They are by themselves. They have no distraction. They can literally read, 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 read. And that was one of the things that I did. Matter of fact, reading in prison does two things. It not only occupies your mind, it also gives you an escape out of the prison that you're in because you can create the world wherever you're at. You can create the world that you want to be in through the books you read. I read everything that I could read that was educating books like Think and Grow Rich and The Laws of Human Nature and um, just so many books, Eat That Frog and I mean, it's it. reading books is going to give you a mindset. What's the lesson you've learned since starting your company? Before I started my business, it was just an idea. And I, I, I wanted, I had a plan. That's the biggest thing you do have to do. You have to plan. You, you got to plan it. And I, I had a plan. It's going to require money, which I really don't have. It's going to require, you know, uh, credit a clean record and I'm a felon, you know, I'm African-American. I got a lot of stuff going against me, you know, and it dawned on me that I had just 
told myself all of the reasons that was stopping me from going forward with starting my own business. And I knew then, right then in that moment, that I was the one that was creating that problem. And I just decided from that point that I wouldn't, I would not allow any of those barriers to stop me from starting my business. And four months later, just after four months later, I was starting my business. So you just got to believe. Watch the full conversation with Doyle on MissouriBusinessAlert.com. All right, Katie, our final word of the week. Are you ready? Yes. Tell me, what's your word? My word is Metrolink. Oh, like the rail system in St. Louis? Yes, exactly. What's happening with the rail system? Well, it will be receiving $223 million from the federal government to replace aging light rail cars and repair damages from flooding last summer. Gotcha. How is that funding being split? So, $27 million of it will go towards damage caused by the flood. The rail cars are in need of an upgrade in general as they only last 25 years and some have been active for 30 years. As for the remaining $196 million, it will be funding 48 new light rail cars. Wow. It'll be interesting to see what those upgrades look like. Definitely. What's your word, Katie? My word is actually two. Park project. And what project is that? I'm talking about the South Loop Project, which is a plan to build a park over a section of Interstate 670 in downtown Kansas City. Governor Mike Parson recently signed legislation to provide $28.6 million to the project. I see. And what are the goals with that project? The 4.6-acre park would help connect a portion of I-670 to the south side of downtown. The contribution from the state matches $28.6 million in funds from a federal bill. The project has also received $10 million from Kansas City, including funding from local private businesses like H&R Block and Lowe's Hotel, as well as funds from local property owners. For our closing thought, here's Chuck Doyle again on remaining hopeful after incarceration. The biggest thing is that it's not over. You think it's over. uh, You you made your mistakes. Just learn from those mistakes. Get back out there and try to be better than the person you were yesterday. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for the music for this episode. For my co-host, Brayden Wade, I'm Katie Quinn, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.